Welcome to Redefine Health. Being healthy has become overcomplicated, forcing us to live by someone else's labels and ideals. The aim of this podcast is to help you redefine what health means. Each week, we'll have stories from leading health experts offering us valuable insights in how we can improve all facets of our health. So welcome to part two. We're going to be looking at shame and guilt, how that actually impacts healthy eating behavior. And then we kind of go on to not only just how coaching should be for the majority of people, but we also take a look at what are some of the healthy behaviors that everyone really could start implementing from today. So that's a nice, easy episode, kind of really diving into just a little bit about the psychology, but also what are some of the best things we can start working on to kind of get that healthy behaviors started so we can start seeing improvements in our life. So stay tuned and enjoy. Understanding the difference between honesty and criticism. So the Mm -hmm. honesty lies in giving yourself the truth, you know, being honest the ability which is ties in with compassion and kindness is like you got to recognize that some things aren't going to go to plan but that honesty the kindness part is as you said doing the work the criticism is the judgmental part so it's like we often frame it as i didn't do it i'm not good enough or oh as you said i was too stupid or anything like that we frame it as honesty but we got to recognize that it's actually criticism it's judgmental you know, views of how we view ourselves. So it's like when you recognize that compassion and honesty can be very, very jarring. It can, it can cut you open if you are truly honest with yourself. Yes. You know, criticism places you down. It, mm-hmm. it gives you a point where you can't come out of it. It's like you dig in your own grave. And that's something that's got to recognize. But what you kind of pointed there is, do you feel that, for majority of people for or before they start say a weight management or say any aim at say losing weight need to have some form of foundation before they tackle it what do you mean by foundation so would you say that they would need to have a better understanding of the likes of say self-compassion or a better understanding of some of the habits they enlist during the day um i think a lot of people would benefit from it but it's often if people want to need to be people want need to want to hear it first and need to be open to that and one thing that sort of popped in my head then while you're speaking was the word vulnerability and often people aren't ready to be that vulnerable and open and honest and and that's sort of where the coach can come in and it's this is again sort of why I don't agree with some of those shame and guilt sort of approaches to coaching because often people can turn in on themselves and not really share what's really going on. So you're not able to help them as much as you could or they can't help themselves. And actually being compassionate and non-judgmental to themselves and between ourselves and between coach and client or patient without the fear of being judged, you can be an open book, both sides. And that, really allows a space for true progress to be made and lasting change so if someone's really struggling with something but they feel like they're going to be judged they're just going to hold it in and that could be the one thing that they need to address or change or need support with so having some form of that isn't necessary i do think it's beneficial but then we also know that there are as much as there is loads of great resources out there there's lots of terrible resources out there as well on the internet and often people can come in with 
certain preconceptions around certain things because they've read certain blogs, news articles, whatever. So sometimes a little bit of knowledge on a certain topic can be quite detrimental as well, because that can be sort of a difficult conversation to have, or maybe something that we leave until further down the line and we sort of work with them on what they want to work with and then gently touch into it every couple of sessions of maybe providing them with more appropriate resources and things like that. Um, but there's lots of patients I've worked with who that's not for them. Journaling's not for them. Gratitude's not for them. They don't want to do that. Predominantly, when I work with men, that's all. They just want to do the work and that's it. And then if they want to do that, I can support them because that's about where it's coaching and being a nutritionist. When you work with the individual, you sort of work towards what they want to. It doesn't matter how I think things would best work, actually. The individual in front of me and being a good coach to be able to adapt my approach, which is something that I've learned over the years. It's not something that I've always been amazing at. And it's still always going to be a learning progress. And me, me and my um, one of my colleagues at work always talk about it's great having those clients or patients where it's it's very different, or they're they're a challenging patient. They they might be a frequent attender at the surgery because those are the ones that make you a better coach. Those are the ones that make you dig deep and learn how to adjust and actually reflect on your sessions. Because most weight loss patients are very similar, and you can sort of do most of the things quite the very similar approach um, whilst working that individual. But then you get these one, like people from the learned disability community, people with very uh, multiple lifestyle conditions, people who um, are frequent attenders and just quite difficult in general, people who don't know how to use technology. All these things are like we were the client or a patient saying, oh, those could be barriers that prevent us from working with them. But actually those are great opportunities to learn and get better. So using that as well is if people aren't ready that's completely fine and maybe this is a way to try and chance my skills at maybe discussing that with broaching the topic if they want to use it maybe i have to come up with a different way to approach it um so it's not necessary but i do think it can be useful but again it depends on what they've been exposed to in the past as well it's i like that because it also it also takes some of the onus off the person in a program whether it be whatever coach, whether it be hospital-based or, you know, health system-based, you know, the onus is always placed on the patient in the sense that nothing can ever be done unless the patient does the work, which is true to some extent, but it's also the other side also has a lot of stake in it, where it's always mm-hmm. seen as the patient's only the one that's got 100% of the stake. So it's like in your sense where it's like, you know, the tougher patients or in a sense that the patients who have more challenging aspects require more from yourself, more from the coach, more from the service, which then in turn makes the service better for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like because it's changing the view from what we often see, which is just, well, you didn't do what I asked. So... Mm -hmm that's your fault <laughs> yeah i hate that as from coaches and you see it all the time especially on social media i told this client to do ten thousand steps and they didn't do it so that's why everything doesn't work it's like that's that's not coaching that's yeah. a dictatorship there's within the service as well it's that's where probably health coaching and going on a health coach qualification was useful because it was very much patient-led and mm you pretty much just ask questions and there's probably a lot of it I don't agree with in the fact that they were sort of saying that we don't share any expertise and we let them completely decide everything. And I was like, well, that can be a bit dangerous in some aspects, especially people with lifestyle conditions where that could be negatively impacted um, or that potentially they've 
got hold of some misinformation we should correct that but doing that in the right way as well but yeah it's sometimes and i've one of the hardest things as a coach and we discussed this before is understanding you can't help everyone and that's okay and you won't be able to help everyone as good as a coach will be you just won't gel with someone they might not be ready you might not be skilled enough to deal with them and that's okay because there's plenty of people out there who you probably will be able to help um and it, reflecting on why it didn't work out is really important but trying your best with someone and going right if these things aren't working what do you think we could do what what's currently stopping you from perceiving these and this isn't me judging you because people will go oh this this is the thing that it is but i know it's an excuse well you know what an excuse is still valid so actually maybe we have to look away around that so like the ten thousand steps a day sort of thing some days i don't hit ten thousand steps and that's one of the things i often talk around with my patients is you know what i'm not here to judge you because i don't expect you to be perfect because i'm not perfect either there's days where i don't hit my five a day and that's completely fine on the whole i do but you know what there's days where i didn't and there's lots of time in the past where i haven't so don't be afraid of i'm not here to tell you off it's more to be like oh that's interesting why do you think that happened how can we improve on that next time or is there another way that we can approach this to get better or maybe that's the thing that we don't need to focus on right now maybe there's another thing that we need to focus on and that's completely okay as well so often it's probably from the tone of my voice you can tell it's, it's a very reassuring conversation because often people think that well like you said with that dichotomous thinking where it's all or nothing i either have to do this or i'm not going to achieve anything at all when actually or i have to do keto to lose weight or i have to do slimming world and that's the only way to lose weight actually it's a tool in the toolbox and if people want to use that tool and they find it effective fantastic but often there's lots of different ways we can do it and if something doesn't work you know what we're just gonna find another tool to get it to work for you and by the end of it, you'll have a toolbox, you'll know how to use them. And I always say to patients and clients is, I want to get you to a point where you go, I don't need you anymore because you've taught me everything I need to know. And that's where I want you to be because that's, no, that's when I know I've done my job. And I think that's the end goal for any coach is to make a client self-sufficient and get them to a position where they're like, you know what, I've got to handle this nutrition stuff. I've got an idea around stuff. I know how to make a meal. I know how to plan myself when I'm going out. I know how to deal with social occasions, find the balance that works for me and how that looks on different points of my life as well. I know how activity plays a really important role for me, but not just in the burning calories or physiological benefits, but also the mental health benefits or social benefits alongside that as well. So there's huge, there's a huge it's a conversation and it's definitely a it's a working partnership and it's always going to be that way it's never going to be i've told a patient to do this they're not doing it they're a bad patient or they're a bad client you know what you need to be a better coach than that that's not good enough and we need to stop sort of accepting that as a standard within the industry massively and people need to you're listening to this and you've had a coach like that in the past or you feel that might be a coach you maybe need to question or challenge whether that's what, what you want because it shouldn't be a shaming guilting telling it should be a collaborative partnership where we talk about things we find ways to work for you and your lifestyle and how to adjust them depending on if lifestyle changes or your circumstances change and then you get more confident and competent with those skills preach Preach, preach. <laughs> if you, for those who are going to be listening, if you had to kind of summarize a whole bunch of health behaviors, what are they like the top five behaviors that you would recommend everybody at least kind of start trying to implement and kind of become efficient at it or proficient would be a better word? Oh, and with these, 
I find it difficult because, and this is something that I'm working on in sort of within the NHS running a program and also my own sort of stuff is having scalable goals is really important. So depending and meeting people where they're at. So some people might, if we use a fruit and veg example as one, some people might be at four a day or they might be at five and actually there might be benefits beyond five that they're like not aware of. So maybe we have a look at increasing that slightly or maybe the hyper-focused on it, we might need to sort of reduce the focus on that and have a look at more balance and having more slightly highly palatable foods in their diet because they're, they might have binging tendencies because they're restricting so much throughout the week. But then I might speak to other patients who don't eat any fruits and veg at all and we go, right, so maybe let's try and aim for one and what do you like, what do you like eating? So it would be something around fruit and vegetables probably and I think aiming for five a day but for some people it might only be three a day and that's completely fine and it's better than uh, I remember I had a patient who I don't know why she got referred in to me because she got referred into the health and well-being service she was lovely and she was like 94 years old I think and she was doing her BMI was fine and somebody mentioned her around it and I spoke to her and she was great she was eating really well she was moving quite a lot for her age and she was in great humor and I remember it was a bit rainy when I spoke to her once and she's like, well, you know, I got out for a little bit, not what you should do, but you know what they say, out's better than now. And I think that's what the approach has to be with all these things that they're scalable. They're not dichotomous. It's not like this is the bar actually tends to be more tends to be better in a lot of sort of these behaviors, but then it's sort of detrimental beyond a point or the benefits seem to drop off. So it'd be something around fruits and vegetables, physical activity, not necessarily exercise, but, general physical activity and movement throughout the day um sleep i think is one that's hugely important because we know if that is insufficient then it has lots of negative outcomes or in consequences on other aspects and makes it a lot harder um i'd say stress management would be another and i'd probably say social so having social having like social or meaningful connections as well so those are probably my five so i'm sorry i can't put a number on them guys i probably like if we're going to put numbers on them i'd be hesitant to just because it might we want to sort of step away from that and work from work for the individual but if you're focusing on five areas it would probably be around fruit and vegetable diet diversity we talk around physical activity sleep reducing stress or managing your stress a bit better and then building social connections or having social relationships frequently that was a perfect uh, summary i actually really like that but also the fact that you brought stress and sleep in there where a lot of people just see health as food-based or exercise-based yeah and like so if we're trying to get people healthier we need to consider that there's a cost to this and this is something that i obviously enjoy my day job is that there's no cost of speaking to me and for all these people they wouldn't be able to afford one-to-one or health coaching privately so we need to understand like the financial aspects, especially with the cost of living. So sometimes my goals or things that I've asked people to look at are sort of, I've sent them healthy recipes that are really cost efficient or find them a cheaper supermarket nearby. Those are the sort of things that actually make a big difference and that can improve someone's health and quality of life. And quality of life is probably at the center of this as well, is that, yeah, we can live for as long as we want, but if there's no quality there, then what's the point? And if we're trying to get people to be happier which usually means that if they're healthier, they're usually happier. Often people get misconstrued that health is about all about restriction. And actually it's not, it's finding that balance. So if we can get people to be healthier and happier and enjoy life a bit more and understand what true enjoyment is, and it's not necessarily about all the 
the short-term highs that you can get actually it's about those like meaningful connections it's about enjoying a very diverse diet and feeling comfortable between meals uh, getting a good night's sleep and feeling refreshed um most of the time at least and just trying to find that and that looks very different for everyone so this is where we don't and you know, I know you're a big uh, fan of this as well that we don't this is why cut, cut and paste plans don't work because everyone's very individual um that these and if they did work then none of us would have looked for another one or need another one and i've been that way as well i've bought many a plan from people copy and paste years ago so i understand and this that's where i mean there's no judgment here but actually that individualized approach is often what people need and they need reassurance that things are going well and things plateau and understanding how to read into the variables and data and sort of take that holistic view of progress as well which is hugely important and just someone who cares and uh, dare I say gives a shit about them that doesn't um I don't know if there was a big rant by a very well-known sort of meal prep or demonstration guy on Instagram um a few days ago and he sort of showed his he had a bit of a meltdown bless him and but he said some very horrible things and and was very critical and horrible about his target market and I was just like well why are people, there's still people supporting you. And I was like, well, the officer doesn't care about you or your circumstances or even a bit compassionate. Why are people caring? So anyway, yeah, care and compassion comes, there's lots of things that always comes back to, care and compassion being one of them, kindness, um, quality of life, um, and yeah, just ha having fun. Well, the funny thing is, which I, really hope everyone starts picking up on this we're actually less describing what health is but more describing what life is <laughs> yeah and it, it i think it's a i hope it's a little bit of an explosion in everybody's mind when mm -hmm. that comes to the forefront and actually see it's like this is what life encompasses it's there's happiness and sadness there's all these things going on but when you get to the point where it's there's no compassion, you know, there's no kindness for these things, but there's no understanding that comes with it. It's where's the quality of life? And went like, that's one of the reasons why, you know, very few people truly want to be immortal. If you take away the quality from, you know, life and having an endless life without any quality, well, what's the point? Yeah. So I think I, I like the, the, the summation on that. One nice last, which, Yes, ask everyone at the end, which it's very interesting hearing how people see this. If you had to redefine how the world looks at health, how would you redefine it? Oh, that's very interesting. Um, I don't think the current definition is up to scratch because it often it it's um, talks about the absence of disease, and often some people have diseases that they can't control or are born with, and I think that is massively excluded isn't very inclusive um so that was something that changes the definition of health um i'd say that the conversations that we have with people revolving around happiness being more important rather than judging people by their way and also the the narrative growing up of us talking around happiness being more important and feeling fulfilled and having a purpose rather than desiring to be a certain shape or weight and um diversification of bodies i think could be useful um and but also having a uh, very 
honest and allowing a, a platform to be open and honest without the um the emotional side of weight as well can be really triggering for people but understanding the risks and consequences of potentially being at a higher body weight or higher holding more body fat um and people understanding that not necessarily feeling pressured but i think being informed around that could be really useful because i feel there's a big part of especially the haze movement that are um, fighting against the facts and data around that which is really really misleading and i think it's quite damaging for a lot of people potentially long term so I think it all comes down to balance and voices, but do I, do I think the world will ever be like that? No, I think whoever shouts the loudest or says the most controversial thing will be, be heard. Um, and this is why us in the grey area, with all the nuance and all the going well, it depends on what's the context. Um, don't, don't get heard often enough. Um, but yeah, I think if we were to change the conversation around health, I think understanding health holistically and considering psychological financial emotional social health alongside physical health and understanding that bmi and weight actually don't define physical health as well so separating body image away from that would be really important i love that it's i think as more and more this podcast goes on which i'm always intrigued to see the different views and perspectives because like you're first to bring in the aspect of financial and social which is the most it's because it's a very key construct of ourselves you know you can't you can't have happiness without some form of financial gain you know as much as we like to say you know happiness is without it it's for life to be lived there needs to be some financial gain in there somewhere but social aspects we are creatures we deserve to be out there and enjoy and that's where we derive happiness Mm -hmm. so it's nice to see health that is encompassing more than just the diet, you know, and then now because there's more of a movement, the psychology side of things, it's like, well, there's still more to it. It's not just the two avenues. There's possibly more depending how we cut the cake. Yeah, hugely. And I think there's especially more than ever now. um, And the conversation I have with patients, financial health is massively impacted by a lot of decisions and us being, better coaches and more aware and empathetic towards people's situations who might not have any financial security or um, be struggling is understanding that. And this is again, where sort of the health industry sort of doesn't quite get it that it promotes avocado on quinoa and everything like that. And yeah, they're fantastic foods, but health could just be adding a little bit, adding some kidney beans to a spag bowl or something like that, or to a chili, sorry. And people who would never have considered that, and it's a cheap, reliable source of fibre and protein and full of nutrients, and adding that to a food could make them massively healthier and make it go further. And just considering that sort of thing rather than people seeing, oh, if I want to eat healthy, it's going to cost me so much more when actually eating well on a budget is possible. It's just about... You've just got to be a lot a lot smarter with your, your, your money, unfortunately. And then the social aspect as well, I think more ever, more than ever during the pandemic is that we lost community massively. And we know that if people want to um, lose or maintain weight and maintain that weight loss long term, being part of a community where those habits and behaviours are reinforced, and this is where the CrossFit community has succeeded, is that they've made people part of a group and a community and felt welcome. And people 
do those behaviors because they're part of a group that that's normalized within their, within that community so finding a community that you want to be a part of long term that has the health that promotes the healthy healthy habits that you value and this again sort of come back to the values which is really important and um, is really really important to that long-term success and of weight maintenance long term of once you've lost the weight maintain that weight loss long term oh i love that <laughs> and i do do appreciate crossfit for its community it's one of the things i do love mm. about that sport also for myself just because i love you know adding torture to my life <laughs> <laughs> There's a every community, isn't there? I think if you look at every community, and we know more than any that there's there can be problematic communities. There can be ones where, um, yeah, that there's some good stuff and there's also some bad stuff. So, being being aware of that and being mindful of what what that community promotes or accepts as what they're normalising, and maybe even challenging it if you want to. Um, is important because what you don't want to do is enter a community where you feel like you're challenging what you truly value or you're going against your own values because that is never going to end well for anyone. No, it's not. To finish up for everybody, um, where can everybody find you um, in case they would like some coaching or just to have lovely chats as we always do because you you are awesome. So, uh, thank you very much for that. Um, I do appreciate it. Um, so, on Instagram, I am Weight Loss Collective. Um, that has recently changed, and we are currently doing the website. And I am coaching one to one on a very small basis. So, if people do want coaching, um, just get in touch, and we can get that sorted for you. Um, and it will be growing in the next few months because I've got a few things planned with creating a community. Um, because I think that'd be valuable, um, and then hopefully launching lots of other exciting things. I will be launching or relaunching my podcast under a different name, but that hasn't quite yet been decided. But yeah, it, that's where you'll find me. But mainly on Instagram is where I'm uh, the easiest to get hold of. So, weight loss collective, or one word. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening, guys. And yeah, I look forward to hopefully being on again. We'll have another good catch, uh, chat about something else, I'm sure. Um, great catching up as well.